can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Welcome to the Talking Pool Podcast. It's CPO Thursdays. If you are looking for a CPO certification class, hit me up on my website, cpoclass.com. Click on the CPO certification schedule tab. That will take you to the page that lists all of my in-person, all of my virtual classes from now up and through the end of 2022. You want to go into the CPO class as prepared as you possibly can? Hit up that page. Again, it's on cpoclass.com. It's the tab that says CPO practice test. Go get yourself a cup of coffee. I'm going to do the same. Let's meet back here in a minute. Return to part two of cloudy water. I had to do something that differentiated me from everybody else. Most of the people I was competing with were the folks that were going to come in and drain and refill and pressure wash the walls. I decided that I would go back to my roots and take a look at alum. In the cases where there was not a lot of heavy debris in the pool floor, alum was the perfect product to use. I would show up on site, adjust my pH to 7.0. Alum actually does flock in a pH range from 5.5 up to about 8.4. The difference is in the amount of product it takes and the amount of time it takes to flock. You will use more flock and it will take a greater amount of time at a higher pH than you will at a pH of 7.0 or lower. So I would adjust my pH to 7.0. I need to make sure that my water temperature is 70 degrees or higher. Alum doesn't flock as well at temperatures below 70 degrees, so I don't want to risk it. I don't push it. If the water temperature is not at 70, I don't waste my time. I've gone that route. I know for sure that means that I'm going to have to come back and treat it a different way, so I don't want to mess with it. 70 degrees or better, that's when I'll add aluminum sulfate. I take the cartridge out of my filter. If it's a cartridge filter, reassemble it without it. If I have a sand filter or a DE filter, I'll put the valve and recirculate. 
I'll turn the filter on and allow it to run for two hours. Easy enough. I just take the timer, pull it out, spin it, put it in place so that I have two hours of runtime. Then it shuts off and I remove the on tripper. So that way it doesn't come back on again unless I turn it on again. Then I adjust my pH. Like I said, I make sure that my total alkalinity is in the ideal range between 80 and 120 parts per million. Then I broadcast my dose of alum evenly across the pool's surface, four to six pounds per 10,000 gallons of water, depending on how swampy the swamp is. If I have something that's balls out swamp vomit green, I'm going to go with the heavier dose. I'm spending less than a dollar a pound on this stuff. It is not an expensive product. I leave, so I've been on site maybe a total of 20 minutes. The pump shuts off in two hours. It stays off overnight. The next day, at least 12 hours later, I come back with a portavac and do a slow vac to waste. On average, 30, 40 minutes maybe for the slow vac to waste. I bring one of those water levelers with me so I don't have to hang out and babysit a garden hose while I replace the water that I lost during the vac to waste. I've dropped maybe only about four or five inches of water and a Slovak to waste anyway. It's not going to take forever in a day, but at least this way with a high pressure hose and this water leveler, I can set it there and go on and clean other pools. So my time on site, it was only maybe an hour. I charged exactly the same amount that the drain and fill guys charged. Nothing against them, and I'm not saying that alum is always the answer. It's not. There are times where drain and fill is the better option, but it is an amazing tool to have in your toolkit. The realtors and the banks absolutely loved me because if they went with me, they didn't have to pay for water. And I know water's not expensive when you're talking about one pool. I ended up getting close to 80 pools from the realtors and banks that first year I decided to do this. After I turned the pools from swamp to swim, I had that pool as a weekly customer until that home sold, which during the recession, it could take anywhere from months to years. And then when the house did sell, I was introduced to the new homeowner as the expert that knew the pool. Aluminum sulfate was a huge part of how I grew my residential business with my swimming pool service company. I still was heavier with commercial properties, but aluminum sulfate did have a lot to do with how quickly and how large I did grow the residential end of my business. Sometimes knowing the ancient ways isn't such a bad thing. And like I said earlier, the product has a 35 100-year proven track history in water treatment. That's kind of hard to top. The other beauty of using aluminum sulfate, and I'm not sure if you knew this or not, but with most metals, when you put metals in the water, they stay in the water. Aluminum sulfate, because it forms the aluminum hydroxide flock and sinks to the bottom, when you vac that flock out in a slow vac to waste, you're actually removing the aluminum from the water as well. We've gone behind and we've run aluminum tests and we've not once found a level that even met the EPA's secondary contamination level of 0.2 parts per million. They call it a secondary contamination level because they don't really monitor aluminum. They don't really enforce that 0.2 part per million level for aluminum. 
it's more of a recommendation and it deals more with taste and smell of the water. But we've never come close. As long as it's been vacked properly, as long as it was a slow vac to waste, I mean, you don't want to go sticking a hammerhead or a riptide in there. It's just going to stir everything all up again. It's not a bad way to go. As long as you have a portable vacuum pump, do not use your customer's equipment for this. You cannot rely on it. You cannot rely on the strength of it. You cannot rely on it to do the job. If you're going to do these coagulation flocculent treatments, as part of the business you offer, you should make sure that you do have the correct equipment up to and including the test for aluminum, just to double check. The liquid blue stuff, not so much of a problem. You just kind of pour it in. That's it. You pour it in, the particles stick together. Like I said, it either filters out or they sink to the floor and then they can be easily vacuumed out. The liquid blue stuff cannot do what alum does you're not going to remove phosphates or any of the nasties with this stuff. But that's okay, because if you're only dealing with a slightly hazy water problem, maybe alum is overkill. You have to make that decision. This is part of your protocol of care, what tools you have in your toolkit and when you use them. Remember, you're the doctor, the pool's the patient. You have to decide the best treatment for that patient, and the best place to decide which treatment is best is poolside. So that's you. Of course, if it was an LSI problem, if your saturation index shows that your water is scale forming, then an adjustment in chemistry, like we spoke about before, likely solved the whole thing. Same thing if it's a filtration problem. No matter what flocculent you go with, no matter what means or what clarifier you use, you're still going to want to solve whatever problem caused the cloudy water. Otherwise, adding whatever it was that you added to fix the cloudy water will now become part of your regular routine, and you probably don't want that. So do the detective work, figure it out. Is it a chemistry problem? Is it a filtration problem? Or is it a circulation problem? Do take the environment into consideration. This is going back a few years ago, and with one of the pools that I had, one of my pools at a student housing facility, most of the commercial pools I took care of were student housing facilities. After all, I live in a college town, so there's a lot of them. And those pools do go through some abuse because of the students, especially in September when the kids are away from home for the first time, away from their parents for the first time, they do go buck nutty. And they do take it out on the swimming pool. I've pulled, like I said, everything from mattresses to television sets, uh, chunks of meat, barbecue grills, all that good stuff out. But this one I want to talk about had nothing to do with the students. This is actually mid-August when this occurred. I went to the pool as I normally do. It was a three-day-a-week pool. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday was when I went. I went on Monday after the weekend. I went on Friday right before the weekend. And then Wednesday because it was right in the middle, so it was a good spot to put it. On Monday. And this is a small pool, maybe 15,000 gallons of water, not a lot, and very, very low bather load. This is the one that was right behind the leasing office. And you know if you've ever been to a facility that has two pools, there's always the one right behind the leasing office. And then there's the other one, which is the one that everybody uses because nobody wants to be right behind the leasing office. They don't want to feel like they're being monitored. They want to cut loose. They want to have a little bit more fun. So this is the one right behind the leasing office. Water is pristine, crystal clear. It has that Caribbean crisp sparkle that you look for. Everything is fine. Check the water chemistry. It was perfect. Went down into the pump room. It had one of those uh, lower level catacomb style Hannibal Lecter pump rooms going on with a vacuum DE filter. 
checked my vacuum gauge. I was below eight inches of mercury, which is great because you really don't clean those until they're greater than eight inches of mercury. My flow rate was good, but I feared the day that I'd have to clean all of my vacuum DE filters in one day. So I shut the system down and I cleaned it anyway. Come back on Wednesday and as I'm approaching the pool, I can see that the water has an opaque color to it. Uh Uh-oh. I got up along the side, and that water was like milk. I could not see the second tread of the ladder. This is how milky this water was. So I did what anybody would do. I took out my test kit, and I tested the water. I do not remember what the levels were, but I can tell you that my chlorine level was at zero. Zero. This is within two days of it being perfect in a pool that nobody swims in. Mid-August. I didn't even have pollen as a problem at this point in time to worry about. So I go down into the pump room thinking to myself, okay, maybe the tubing for the chlorinator broke. This system was set up with an erosion feeder that happened to use trichlor tabs. Not my favorite, but it's what was there. I thought maybe the tubing could have broken, and pumped out the chlorinated water all across the pump room floor. That would definitely explain the reason that I had zero for a chlorine level. Wasn't the case. I went down there. Everything was fine. I saw that my flow rate was zero gallons per minute. Zero! Two days after I cleaned it on a pool that nobody swims in. I came back up out of the pump room and I was kind of scratching my head trying to figure out what was going on and then I noticed across the water I could see that there were dead leaves up on the pool deck. And that's kind of odd because we don't get leaf fall in this part of Florida up until at least January, February unless there's been a big storm roll through. And this was back again in mid-August. So we're not getting leaf fall now, but there were dead leaves on the pool deck. So I walked over to that side of the pool and I could see that the raised beam, the patio furniture and the deck were all covered in this black tar-like goo. While I was standing there, the strangest thing happened. I thought I saw a snowflake pass by. In August, in Florida, could see looking at the surface of the water now that I'm at a different angle the way the sunlight was hitting it, it did look like somebody threw handfuls of sawdust out across the water. Looking down at the leaves, I could see that they had these tiny little white dots that looked like the snowflake, and then I could swear I saw one of them move. So I collected the leaves, and I took a little bit of water from the surface, and I went directly to the University of Florida, the entomology department. I walked right in, no appointment, no nothing. Within five minutes, we had this under a microscope, and we identified those little white things as the Asian woolly hackberry aphid, which is an invasive species that was first discovered in Duval County, Jacksonville area, Duval County back in 1999, and have since spread as far south as Orlando and as far north as Atlanta. I went back. I kept and explain to the property manager what was going on and why the pool was cloudy. Because I didn't want to be that person when they said, why is the pool cloudy? I "I don't know, right? So I had added, I could get the pool clear with large doses of calcium hypochlorite, but it wouldn't stay. It would remain clear for maybe an hour or two, and then it would start to fade again. So I contacted one of the larger enzyme dealers in the country, one of the larger enzyme manufacturers in the country, and they had their rep, a young Tom Perigini, come out and meet me poolside. This was um, natural chemistry that I'd contacted. And he came out and met me poolside to talk about what was going on. And we looked at the water and we we're talking about all the different things. And he basically said, hey, look, Rudy, you know what? We can put the stuff in the water and it'll probably get it clear, but it won't last. As long as we're getting that influx of fly crap out of the trees, 
it's just going to continue to be a problem and a problem and a problem. I mean, we're talking this thing had an infestation. So fine. That's not my solution. I appreciated natural chemistry sending Tom out, which was great because that was one of the first time I met Tom and we've become friends since then. So always the people that you're running into in the pool industry, it's always an amazing thing. But anyway, I contact a pesticide company. I actually find one who's familiar with the Asian woolly hackberry aphid, and I meet with them at the pool, and they tell me, you know, we can treat the tree and get rid of the infestation. We can spray it, but we're not going to do it. The problem is, is the branches hung over the pool, and they didn't want to spray the branches and risk whatever they were spraying with it dripping into the water and having some effect on the people. They said what they could do is they could inject the roots of the tree with a horticultural oil infused with a pesticide that would wipe out the infestation for the next season. That ain't going to work. It's mid-August. School's about to start. These facilities, they're, they're just going through turns here at this facility. And everybody knows, you know, the pool is the centerpiece. When people come to look at an apartment, I want to see the apartment. I want to see the pool. That's how they felt fill these rooms. That's how they fill these apartments. So we got to do something. So we actually find a tree company. Now, there's a story behind this, too, because the people who own this facility, the people, the management company that ran this facility, the president of the management company, loved nature, loved trees, thought more trees were better, did not ever want to have a tree removed. So we found a tree company that would come in at two in the morning and cut down the tree with a chainsaw, remove it, and put down sod so it would look like the tree was never there. That's what it took to solve the problem. A lot of detective work, a lot of environmental factors here, a lot of thinking outside the pool because we couldn't just continually dump chemicals in there to have it not work. You have to figure out what the problem is before you can actually treat the water appropriately. And if you can solve the problem, that's fantastic. Sometimes you can't, and then you got to do your best to control it. But if you can solve the problem, that is vital. That is crucial. I involved the community association manager, the CAM at that facility, in every step of the way. Do you know I picked up another 30 properties from that management company within the next year? But I wanted to give you an example from my experience of a cloudy water problem where it wasn't going to be disinfectant filtration or circulation of the pool, where you do have to think outside of the water, where you have to think outside the pool and look for environmental factors that could be causing your headache. Once you've discovered that, if you can solve it, that's great. Then go with your clarifier. Then go with your flock. If you do it before then, it's like putting a Band-Aid on a sucking chest wound. It's not going to work very well. Yeah, it'll be clear for a little while, but you're going to lose it again. Water is too important. Our job, our role in water treatment is too important because, again, lives are at stake in what we do. That's all I have for you this week. Again, if you're looking for a CPO class, hit me up, cpoclass.com. Click on the CPO certification class schedule registration page. There you will see the listing of my in-person and virtual classes. If you want to practice, if you want to hit, get some study materials, same website, cpoclass.com. Click on the CPO practice test tab. That will take you to a bunch of training materials, all free, except for, uh, well, there's a couple of links to some things that are at a nominal fee, but I'd say 90% of what's on that page is free for you to use. If you wanted more than that, 
I do also have my website, onlinepoolclasses.com. That's where I have my algae prevention and eradication certification course. I have a course in alum that we just spoke about. And then I have a couple of free classes there as well. So check it out. Next Thursday, I will see you again. In the meanwhile, be good, be safe. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 